Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. All right, hey, welcome to Leadership Network's podcast here. My name is Jeff Reed, director of Digital Church Next, and and really excited to jump on this podcast and have a conversation centered around what digital ministry, what church looks like in digital space. And so I am joined today by my good friend, Tyler. How many times have we actually met in physical space? Maybe like Two? five. <laughs> five? Has it been that many? Five? Yeah, that, I think so. Okay. All right. Well, you know, you've, you've got if, – if you're watching this on YouTube, you're seeing the cow in the background uh, <laughs> on, on his photo. Nice, larger than life. But uh, we're talking to my friend here, Tyler Sansom. San, Sansom, excuse me, I stuttered there, who is uh, lead pastor at Church Anywhere, a, a church, a medium-sized church in Corden, Indiana. And so uh, really, really excited about what Church Anywhere, formerly First Capital Christian Church in, in Corden, Indiana, what they're, what they're doing in digital, a physical church, a medium-sized physical church that's doing some phenomenal stuff in, in digital space. So often in, in today, 2023's church, listen, listen, let me say this up front, hundreds of thousands of churches as a result of COVID developed a digital strategy. The majority of you had no strategy, what, March 13th, 2020, and and that's that. COVID rolled across America, and as a result, many of you were locked out and quickly, to your benefit, developed a digital strategy of broadcasting church services. And that may have been beneficial at the time, when physical churches were shut down and your physical church audience was trying to stay connected at home, broadcasting church services, connecting with audience that's that's favorable, that's friendly online makes a lot of sense, at least in March and in April 2020. But now we get into 23 and, and well, maybe that service doesn't play the role that it did three years ago. Maybe there's some other things that we need to dig into. And there's, this is really, this is the heart that I want to get into uh, here talking with, with Tyler uh, a little bit. So, Tyler, forgive me for mansplaining the, the conversation as we're walking into it. But, uh, hey, you know, you've been lead pastor now 12 months, 13 months. Yeah, 13 months. Yeah. Wow. So, listen, so maybe just tell us a little bit about Church Anywhere uh, your church, kind of maybe the, some of the uh, the transition to get to where you are today. And we're going to unpack all sorts of stuff here soon, but maybe set up a little bit about Church Anywhere. Yeah, um, we are based out of a, uh, a church called First Capital Christian Church. Uh, it's in a small town, about 3,500 people. And uh, our church is somewhere around 1,000 people in person. Um, that was both pre-COVID and now, but totally different congregation now. It's very strange. Um, so we're pretty much tracking along the lines of where we used to be pre-COVID, but it's like two-thirds new people, um, which is just bizarre. Um, but we launched Church Anywhere back in 2016 and uh, have been doing a lot of online ministry, a lot of uh, microsites. Um, we've stepped into, I mean, uh, as far into it as making a f- making feature films that are out on like major streaming platforms. Uh, so... Pretty much, if 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 we um, 
if we have an idea, we are the type of church that is okay with just going for it. And if it fails, it fails. But if not, then maybe we'll do some really cool ministry with it. So pretty innovative type of church. Yeah. And so innovation is a great way to say it really utilizing limited resources that are available to do just incredible things for the kingdom. Now you've mentioned uh, micro locations. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, the, the movies and some of the stuff that, that you've done, you know, I, and I, I hesitate anytime I have conversations to talk about numbers, but I, I feel like I just want to may, maybe make an exception here and talk about numbers just so that people understand what your church is not. Like you are not, I, I don't even think, I mean, if we're defining mega church as 2000 people active on a Sunday morning, which I believe is a definition of a mega church, you are nowhere near a mega church. Would that be appropriate to say physically? Yeah, we would be half of that. So, yeah, so, so you're roughly a thousand, um, but you've had, you know, you were telling me earlier, just some incredible success with baptism and things like that spiritually. So maybe talk about some of the growth that your church has been experiencing over the past year or so. Yeah, um, we made a really conscious shift, both in person and digitally, um, to shift away from an attractive church model to a discipleship focused church. Um, and we can unpack that however we want, but definitely um, this shift really, really um, changed the game for us. And it turns out that um, both online and in person, uh, trying to create disciples was the best evangelistic tool that we could have ever imagined um, because we like not only had more baptisms than we've ever had as a church, but we doubled what we did the year before. Um, and we had more baptizers as well. Uh, so we're a church of a thousand in person, um, sev several microsites and, uh, an online core audience that baptized almost 300 people last year. Oh um, my goodness. Really cool. So you, you, you've basically baptized, I mean, I don't know, gross numbers here, but 30%, uh, you've a church of a thousand, you baptized, uh, 300 people. Yeah. Now, and, and some of that is like. Like we're a church of a thousand in person and not all of those baptisms happened in person. Some were at microsite, okay. some were via online connections, that kind of thing. So out of a total reach of probably 3,000, we baptized 300. Awesome. 10%. That's a solid number. Now, look, I want to get into microsites in, in a second, but I, I heard you say, and I'm putting some sentences together. So help me if, if I misunderstood. You walked away from an attractional model of church and instead went very aggressive in towards disciple making and empowering people to be on mission. Talk to me about some of that that transition. Yeah, we uh, what well, started from top down. Um, and in order for us to make this transition, we had to one, get our staff and elders on board with it. We call our elders shepherds. So if I sh slip into that shepherd language, that's the same thing as elder. Sure. Um, so staff and shepherds had to get on board. We started there, um, really presented the why behind it and made the case that we think that as much uh, as cool as big lights and awesome sound and awesome worship music and doing all these really cool outreach events is um, we think that in our current state um, post COVID world, like this post Christian world, the only thing that can possibly attract people um, is if we have a bunch of people who live and look like Jesus. And so um, that was the case we made and we all kind of jumped on board. Then we structured completely different. So we took away like the, the um, hierarchy where there's a lead pastor than everyone else. 
and we formed a three-person leadership team. Um, and the reason was was to put some guardrails around leadership to prevent um, like pastors falling and have accountability with each other, and also to not have one person making decisions. Um, and be, below that, we took the staff and made it one straight line. So there's a three-person leadership team and then a big line of staff where there's not really departments. It's just like mm. one unified team. Um, so that's a team of about 16 people or so. And then we have some like part-time support staff that are like, that wouldn't be involved in decision-making anyways. Um, so then we decided to start narrowing our focus for the year um, into smaller chunks. So in, we, we have like one meta vision for the year, but then we broke them down into four month increments. And as a full staff, we planned out four months at a time. So the left hand always knew what the right hand was doing. And like mm. family could work with um, like family ministry could work with adult ministry and adult ministry could be both online and in person. And we could all keep each other accountable. And we even have like on our um, hallway, uh, like where the offices are, like a giant scoreboard where it literally tells via post-it note everything that we are doing um, to disciple people for the next four months. So all of that happened at the same time that we shifted everyone from being like a digital staff and an in-person staff. And there's like two different staffs. We shifted everyone to become hybrid. So every wow. person on our staff is like expected to do both digital and in-person ministry. So we've got like 65, 70 year old guys who are counseling people with Zoom and um, WhatsApp at the same time as they're counseling people in person, things like that. Uh, so all of this culminated in this complete philosophical shift of ministry and we call it spiritual outfitting. So our goal is to outfit people to take a step closer to Jesus every single day. And the whole staff comes together to figure out how we're going to do that collectively. So you're small, excuse me, a thousand person is not a small church, forgive me. It's small compared to some of the churches that I've worked with historically, but you're a medium-sized church, a thousand person, not a mega church by, by typical standards. In a small town of Corden, Indiana, has pivoted entirely towards a fiddle, a hybrid approach. I had to say fiddle just for old time's sake, but it's <laughs> a hybrid approach where you're, you, all of your staff have physical and digital responsibilities that are not aimed towards attractionalism, but are aimed towards discipleship, towards relationships. Uh, and, and in that, all that pivot, uh, you've seen 300 people get baptized in the past year. Yep. In one year, it was, well, almost 300. We were upper 200. So right at yeah. 300. That's, that's, in, that's incredible. Now, it's I mean, this a, is good. It's been a really fun ride. Like it's, it's kind of just like watching, we're not doing anything. It's not about uh, like a tractional model. We're not producing these moments. It's just allowing people um, to go out and be disciples. And so we get to kind of sit back and outfit them, but then watch people blossom and start leading their friends and family to Christ. It's been really yeah. cool. I, you know, I so love this idea of the spiritual outfitters and, and, and I've heard, you know, a couple, I think, um, was it um, oh, who's the big church actually up up in Ohio near you the Crossroads. cross cross yeah you know they have a they've done outfitters a, a similar theme like that I just I love that ideology of hey let's you know what's what's the old 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 uh, Home Depot line you can do it we can help you mm -hmm. know the church instead of the church doing the ministry the church empowering others platforming others and allowing people the opportunity 
to do that ministry, which I know is going to get into some of the the, the micro uh, when, when we get into that. But talk to me a little bit, because I mean, technically, this is a a digital church, a digital uh, you know digital ministry podcast here with Leadership Network. Um, what's the role in digital with with the outfitters? Uh, I mean, you hinted a little bit with the staff already. You got sixty five year old people jumping on WhatsApp and Zoom doing pastoral care and, and things like that. And but like what's the what is the role that digital plays within the context of discipleship or even even your church overall? Yeah, I mean digital allows us to um, utilize a lot more than a Sunday morning for discipleship. Um, we just shut it down, but for the last two years we've been using a daily app called One Step Closer that we created that basically gamified discipleship. So it gave people like three challenges per day. Um, we're moving away from that towards something new. So that actually just shut down this month, but we've seen a lot of success with that. Um, so that was one of the ways um, that we did it with, which would be more like individual outfitting. Um, but it also works for like corporate outfitting as well. For example, we're doing um, a, a Seder meal for um, the Thursday before Easter. Um, we're going to try to teach people uh, what it would have been like uh, around Passover time. And we are taking one of our digital missionaries who does a cooking show on YouTube. They are Their video um, two weeks before is teaching people how to create the Seder meal. Um, and then uh, we've filmed a like walkthrough. It's a 45 minute walkthrough of someone like actually teaching what the Seder meal is. And we're sending this out to all over the place. So people in Kenya will do it at the same time as people here in Corden um, who are in our digital network, but it doesn't require them to do it at a certain time. It's totally on demand and it utilizes um, all these different types of resources, like a YouTube video, plus a teaching video, um, plus like PDF curriculum, that kind of thing. So, digital um, tools allow us to be a lot more creative and a lot less um, like married to a specific time frame, um, which allows more people to be involved. That's one of the big things that we've seen. That's why we can have microsites like in London and Kenya and in Uganda and India, and none of them have to meet at the exact same time, if that makes any sense. Now, hold on, hold on. You're 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 talking. Oh, no. way, you're way off base, man. You 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 said Uganda. You said India. Uh, so you've got, but you those people are on other continents. You you can't have actual relationships with those people. Like I, I don't understand why you would like. Are you are you actually like? What does discipleship look like with somebody that's on a different I don't know continent, ten time yeah. zones away? Um, well, like let's let's use Kenya for example. Um, so Peter, who's our leader of the Kenya two microsites now um, in Kenya, because he has built someone else up to to lead a second one. Um, it's a lot of relationship building between he and I and some other people at the church. Um, we talk through Facebook Messenger. Uh, that's the easiest way for him to communicate with with me, um, and we've been building each other up for the last like two and a half years after he connected with us through church anywhere. Um, we helped him launch the, the microsites. He watches us every week and then takes that, what he learns to his congregation. Our family ministry team now provides him with kids content as well. So um, he gets a private link of kids content that he can use for the kids at his micro location, um, all that kind of stuff. But to prove the point of how real the relationship is, um, a year ago, 
his nephew was born and he named him after me. So I have a uh, Kenyan like godchild, essentially. Oh my gosh. Uh, named Tyler uh, Luckadong Michael. <laughs> so, if, what's yeah. the middle it's, name? Luck Luckadong. Yeah, that's is, their is last that... name. <laughs> okay. um, that's incredible. Yeah, it's super cool, but that shows that that's real relationship, and we've never met each other in person. And one day, I hope to go over there. Uh, he lives in a very remote place, but we talk to each other all the time. Um, people love to like. People love to take the idea of digital and make it way more complex than it actually is. Like it's just people being people and having relationships with each other. How do you disciple someone when you're face to face with them? Well, you do it kind of the same way online. You just are video chatting instead of sitting right across from each other. Yeah, um, it's a lot more simple than we want to make it. It's it's funny. I just I've had so many conversations with churches that are like, yeah, we're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into a video studio and we're waiting to get all our ducks in a row before we really take some of this stuff serious. And and literally sometimes I'm like, how much money does a Zoom account cost? Fifteen dollars a month. Yeah. What are you waiting for? Hey, you know what? You don't even have fifteen a month. Google Meet is actually really impressive. I like I've I've enjoyed using that in, in over the past couple of months. I, I came from a um, attractional model desire. Like I was a worship pastor. I went and led worship um, at one of the biggest churches in the United States. We had every resource possible. And for some reason, I still felt like very empty. And this was before I came back to First Capital. And what I have learned most through being um, a digital pastor for a long time, uh, as long as you can be, like, <laughs> like it's, it's a relatively new thing. So all of that's relative. I've done it for like seven years, but it still feels like a long time. Uh, in this world, uh, Jesus did not call us to create the best videos. He didn't call us to create the coolest experiences online. He called us to make disciples and digital tools make that so much easier. Like it, we have this, this um, incredible gift that's been given to us in the internet to allow us to have all these tools that we can um, resource people with ways to become a disciple. And yet we get so caught up on uh, the production side of it rather than the relationship side of it. And so what I've learned over the last few years is really let's let's focus less on the actual technology and let's start focusing more on how to use that technology to build up people and build disciples who build other disciples. Interesting. You know, what, one of the questions that I often ask churches is now that you've made a disciple, what what are you doing with them? You know, the, the typical, I mean, you're saying attraction, you said attractional, but I don't even think this is just limited to attractional. It's like you've got these very um, knowledgeable people. You've got people that are called, people that are on mission, people that you've discipled, and you've got them serving coffee. You've got them doing things. And, and, and some of this may be necessary for the, for the physical event to happen. But if the, if the end game of discipleship is, is, is doling coffee, man, there, there's an opportunity for evangelism. There's an opportunity to empower people to be on, on mission, to reach within their circle of influence. You've already said digital missionary a couple times, and, and maybe we'll get to that here in, in a little bit. But tell me, and you've even said baptizers, which, which is interesting. What do you do with these people once you disciple them? Like what, what's, what's the end game? Sure. So um, it's interesting. You've said on mission a couple of times and we've actually had this discussion quite a bit because one of our core values is we are on mission. Um, and so I actually have a definition of on mission that I can lay beside kind of the end goal of discipleship. So I'll do that really fast, or at least for us right now at um, February 22nd, 2023. So 
for us, a core value of being on mission is a kind of a starting point of discipleship. That's uh, the way we define it is that's a person whose eyes are constantly open to show, uh, to look for opportunities to show people Jesus through their actions. So it's a lifestyle. Like being on mission is a lifestyle. It's looking around constantly head on a swivel for opportunities to act upon your faith. But then our goal as they get closer to Jesus. So imagine like Jesus is the center and like being on missions down here, the closer they get, um, we want to narrow that focus. So Mm. we want every Jesus follower to have a cause. That's what we call Mm. them. And so you're living a life on mission because you are a disciple, but then we want you to like operate in an area of passion. So a cause for us is a focused effort to help people find and follow Jesus based on your area of passion. And that's really how we've started a lot of these micro sites. It's been teaching people how to be on mission. And then we find out what their area of passion is and we continue to help them and outfit them um, to have a ministry within that area of passion. Does that make sense? Totally, totally and completely. Now, so people have, you, you want everyone in the church to have a cause, something they're passionate about. You're yep. praying to God, God, give me direction. What, what, what are you leading me towards? And then yep. you, the church, you're helping them uh, like meet their cause, find their cause, uh, reach yep. their, their, their cause. Now, um, I mean, let's, let's be, let's just be completely honest at some point. That's a very aggressive approach, right? How, what, safe to say, like, I, I maybe, maybe I'm asking behind the curtain question here. Like, what percentage of people really buy into that? Like, yeah. you can't, it can't be 100%, right? Because, I mean, that's, that's no. very aggressive. What are you actually seeing within your church? This is, it's hilarious because you, you already know what, what we do and we've done it for a long time. We actually have a percentage. So like, um, we, we, we call it an engagement percentage uh, number, but our engagement percentage number last year hovered around that 30% mark. Um, so our goal for this year, we try to up that hopefully to 40. What happened though in January was, um, praise God, we had a lot more people show up in person and a lot more people online. Um, I think we stepped into a topic that really hit home with a lot of people. We talked a lot about church hurt and some, uh, some things like that. And so, um, the reach number went up, but our outfitting number stayed the same. So our percentage went down. Um, so we have those three numbers that kind of like constantly look at, um, but that like that whole like um, outfitting percentage, engagement percentage number all came with this shift towards discipleship. We like I couldn't tell you right now as the lead pastor of the church how many people we had in the building last week. I would have to go look it up somewhere because we shifted focus towards these discipleship next steps metrics so much that um, it, it kind of feels like we don't really focus on attendance and offering anymore. And the byproduct that has been attendance and offering has gone up. Okay. Hold on. I I want to, I want you to say that again. You're not looking at metrics of weekend. The weekend is not how you're, you're celebrating success at your church, but by not looking at it and instead focusing on discipleship, you've seen uh, attendance and giving increase. Is, is yeah. that basically what you said? And we that was not a hypothesis that we had like a few years ago wow. when we started to try this out. Uh, you, I mean, you saw our um, score sheet like oh, a long time ago, Jeff, like 2017 mm-hmm. or something. That was not the goal. Wasn't the goal to like increase attendance and offering. 
it just happened because people started looking a lot more like Jesus. So the byproduct of that is they were telling their friends about Jesus, bringing them with them. And because they were looking more like Jesus, they became more generous because their hearts were breaking for what God's heart broke for. Yeah. So you're moving away. This is so beautiful. I mean, I, 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 I've said this before publicly, not, not on this podcast, but, but in other areas, um, literally church anywhere, first capital Christian. This is probably like, I, if I said it's my favorite church in America, like three other churches would be really upset at me. So I'm going to say it's top five, but it really, it's, it's, it's my number one here. Uh, I was actually on somebody else's podcast today and they were, they were like, who's doing digital really well. I was like, Tyler Sands, I'm first capital Christian because these guys have, and these, these ladies, they figured out how to utilize digital in context of discipleship to complement what's happening in the physical building. And, and just God is seeing, we're seeing things happen. God doing something incredible in this space. Now tell me because you're, you're attractional, you're moving back, you're moving towards more of a discipleship model you're really not valuing the the butts in the seats uh, analytic. You're looking at some other things. Like you're you're you've actually done the things we've all said we want to do, but we've never actually done it. What is the role of the weekend? You are lead pastor. You are lead communicator. Am, am, am I right? Like you you preach more than than anybody else. What? What, why, what role does it play? What do you want it to be? Like, talk to me a little bit because you're, you're, it's almost like you're devaluing the thing that everybody else is showing so much value in. What, what do you actually want it to be? There's a, I mean, we still value the weekend service. We love when uh, God's people gather together to worship. Um, it's just shifted. Like, I don't preach a lot of come to Jesus messages any longer. I don't preach a lot of like cute, messages any longer, uh, nor does our team. Um, we use the weekend now basically as a um, continued training ground. So if the week like day to day is to get people to take a step closer to Jesus, uh, it's like amplified on the weekend. Some shifts that we made, and I know this isn't exactly what this podcast is, but it fits along the lines. Um, we started doing um, essentially ancient liturgy in our worship, but we made it modern. So every service has an element of like prayer, praying or like praying for each other, uh, corporate prayer, corporate scripture reading, some form of that. And we we make templates of those. So we have like 18 templates of different ancient liturgies that we've made modern. And so each week feels different, but people are getting um, the like deeper worship experience that is a requirement for revivals to be started. And that translates well, both in person and online and in our microsites. So that's a huge shift that we made in our worship services is it became geared towards believers. Um, and we've decided to stop um, hitting just the surface level. Like our goal is to take people deeper on the weekend service. Interesting. Um, so. so for you, evangelism is not the focus of the weekend. You're, the, the goal is you're actually just aiming that, that at a much deeper. What, what is your evangelical arm? Uh, people. <laughs> so, so like this, this, this weekend we have, I think seven baptisms scheduled in person and none of those came from the message. Wow. Yeah. They all came though. I think we'll have probably four baptizers and none of those are staff people. Okay. So there's a lot of cultural shift that that's involved in this. I, I, I would imagine. And you've, you've this, this shift where even the service being deeper and not, not evangelical, was that within the past 13, 16 months as, as well? Yeah, probably within the last two years. Um, okay. 
really since we dove into the outfitting portion. We've we'd seen the baptizers thing happen for a while and we'd seen the microsites. So the shift has been happening for a long time, but we kind of like dove in head first um, with the worship services along the same time as the outfitting piece um, came onto board. That's not to say we never have come to Jesus moments in the message. Like there are sure. obviously times where the message leads to a, like a gospel presentation where given the, you get the opportunity to come to know uh, Jesus, but that happens maybe like four or five times total for the year. Um, and most of them are, here's how to be a disciple and follow Jesus every day kind of messages. Yeah, this is fascinating. I, I hadn't heard the, the ancient, um, elements in, in the revisiting the modernizing of that, that, that was news. That, that has been a, recording. That's been a game changer for us for real. Really? It is. Yeah. Like I, I visited a church a couple of weeks ago that I love. I love this church. And um, I didn't realize how far we had dove into like the, the liturgy and like going deeper into worship. And by deeper, I don't mean like emotional responses. I mean like scripture and prayer and like some very biblical elements until I visited the other church. Um, and they did a really good worship service. It just felt so completely different than, than what we've been doing. If, if I, I mean, I'm sure this is like, where do I go if I want to see one of these services or, or see some of them? Like is it a YouTube channel? No, it's just, just like, yeah, our live stream. Yeah. Just in any of the live streams. So churchanywhere.us. Um, there's hit, like, I mean, or whatever. Yeah. Hit watch or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Interesting, man. So like we've, we've had a solid conversation here. Uh, micro locations is, is something, uh, you know, we, we talked, talked about a little bit. We talked about how you've got micro locations on other continents, but I know micro locations is more than, than a, a global mission strategy. Talk a little bit about what micro locations looks like and tying it into some of your discipleship, disciple making you're doing. Yeah. Um, it is the way that we do it at least is like a cut down version of our service. Um, to about 30 to 40 minutes um, and then some small group time afterwards. But it's not always that. <laughs> so we're not really rigid with that. That's how it started. And it's kind of morphed over time based on different audiences. For example, like um, we do one at a youth shelter and that doesn't fly very well there. So we had to tailor the um, content to that, that audience. Um, but for the most part, it's digital content with physical um, leaders and physical relationships happening. We don't have any online only microsites um, yet, or maybe ever. I'm not sure how that'll work. We're open yeah. pretty much anything. But um, right now, they're as far away as um, Kenya. Um, I think we have four global ones. And then I think we have like 16 in the States. Wow. And so how many are within like the physical boundaries of Cordon, Indiana, like within an hour range? Yeah, um, probably I don't know, like ten or so. Um, so, so half of them are within reach of the building, and half yeah. of them are, you know, not within the reach of the building. Right, but the ones that are in the reach of the building are not people that would ever come to our building. Like yeah, so neighborhoods, some of them are institutions, but like we're not targeting people just to get them to come to the building. I, I mean, if they come, I'm going to welcome them like a family member. But if they don't come, I'm also equally as happy. Or if they go to another church, I'm equally as happy. The goal with these microsites is to get them to also be disciples of Christ. Now, you mentioned students before, and so some contextualization is is part of that because you're you're doing something different to reach that type of person. You said institutions. I, I know some of that's prisons, mm. uh, and so you are uh, you're contextualizing the church service to meet yeah. prisoners there as as well. 
Maybe, yeah, are, how, nursing homes would be another example. Nursing yeah. homes is, is, is another. Um, I mean, this is what's really is, is interesting to me is because a, a medium sized church, thousand person church in a, in a small town court in Indiana has recognized, hey, you know what, for me to reach different types of people, we're going to have to do different things. And, and so the the ability to do a micro location in a nursing home is 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 doing ministry with people that are not going to make it to the building. Prisoners are not going to make it to the building. Uh, you know, students are may not make it to the, the building and, and we're OK that we're not making it to the building and we're doing ministry. We're doing discipleship in that context, in that space. It's, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. And I hadn't realized you were up to 20. I, kn- I knew in COVID you shrunk a little bit, but it looks like you, you've been expanding out. Yeah. We've opened up, I think two more this year and we opened up several um, towards the end of last year. So we've seen a little bump in the last couple. So uh, I got to get you connected with Jay Cranda. This is not a name drop Jay Cranda mm-hmm. Saddleback because he's trying to figure out how to get from, from 25 to 50. And, and we were actually having a conversation the other day about who was actually had 25 or more micro locations or even 20 micro locations. And, and cause it's very few churches have taken it to the, to the extreme level. Actually, I don't know. I mean, maybe crossroads has, uh, but yeah. I, I would think very few are, are in that, that 20 plus at the micro level and especially your size. I don't know anybody that, that's they doing might go that. way back. So just tell them to give me a phone call. So. <laughs> Very, very, very cool. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll text them with that soon. Um, hey, listen, this this has been a solid conversation. Now, audience, what, what I want you to learn from this is there's there's potential for your church to utilize digital beyond just broadcasting that single church service to a mass number of people. I mean, sure, there is. Well, let me ask this. Your, your God son, father, how did you meet that guy in Kenya? Like, what was the first conversation with him? That's a, yeah, that's a great question. Um, let me change it to our India micro site because that, that was the, uh, the, the most recent one. Um, he found us when he, so he, he became a believer two and a half years ago. And his uh, mentor told him, go to seminary. <laughs> and in seminary in India, he finished it in a year and a half. And during that time, he interacted with us um, because we have an India initiative. It's one of our digital missionaries. Um, so we do a lot of targeted ads for people in India. We have a whole team of 18 people that respond to their emails. So he was a targeted ad guy. He joined us for worship one weekend, was hooked. Um, we had our last year, we preached through our core values. One of them was being on mission. He was inspired to be on mission and find his cause. So he started a microsite in his home. It's about 45 people now. Um, and that's how we got connected. So he reached out through Facebook after he had already started this microsite with our content. And then um, I started kind of talking to him one-on-one more. And now I preach to them live via Zoom once a month. And they, um, they use our content the rest of the time. This is incredible. I mean, let's even back up to the point of where you've got 18 volunteers who feel that their 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 purpose, their calling, their cause is to reach India. And so they're serving on a volunteer team, responding yeah. and interacting with people, the 4.5 billion people that are in India. Uh, this is this is, this is a good one. A good example of how physical and digital can merge because 
the guys that are on that guys and girls that are on that team went through perspectives. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's yes. a, a missions training course, it's like a college level course, but many of them couldn't leave their jobs and go on the mission field. And so we made like a post perspectives graduation um, pitch of, well, you can't go, but you can be a missionary using these tools. And then we partnered with CV Outreach um, to set up the uh, like Google ads for India. So through CV, we've got these 18 people who have a year of training in missions work that are contacting back and forth with these people from India. Usually it's somewhere between like 50 and 100 connections a week. Yeah. And, and ladies and gentlemen, this is not a, a giga church with, you know, 10,000 people. And, and the no, actually, all of that was free. So and yeah, that I mean, cost us zero money. So. This is, this is, I mean, this is why I love having conversations with you, man. You're, 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 you're constantly even challenging me about what, what digital can be. Uh, and so listen, through uh, Digital Church Next here on this podcast, we're going to, through uh, the, the year and, and what's ahead, we're going to be challenging this idea of, of digital strategy moving beyond just the online service. The service plays a part. What part does it play? And what are some strategies? What are some simple ways? What are some free ways to, to take advantage of this? And, and you've got, uh, you got Tyler here already talking about 18 volunteers doing, and now listen, I do know that perspectives cost money, but it's yeah. it's pennies in, in the grand scheme of things. And, and then CV Outreach is, is a free resource. And so you're paying for some training and then you're releasing your disciple makers, releasing people to their cause, helping them get on, on mission, literally impacting people on the other side of the planet for Christ, uh, not for the purpose of getting them into the building, but releasing them to be on mission over in India where, where they are. And this is the beauty of digital. It's not gathering people together, but it's utilizing it as the Roman road and scattering and dispersing the gospel. I mean, literally across the, the planet. Uh, man, Tyler, I, I just I, I love this conversation. This this is this is so good. Is there anything we didn't talk about today? Like this has been the fastest conversation I've ever had with you. Is, is anything oh, else you want to hit on today as we're as we're wrapping up? Uh, just just I'll, I'll hit on one more piece. The uh, the the movie making side of who we are has been a, it has turned into like this weirdly productive, awesome, organic digital ministry. So it started out with me having a passion. I, I, I would say my cause probably is making movies. That's what I went to school for. That's what I've loved since I was a kid. And we made a really bad movie a, long, uh, a while back when we first started digital ministry and we made an okay movie back in 2020. But that okay movie has seen a lot of people come to Jesus because what happened was I got connected with um, through Facebook with an organization in Uganda that's basically an orphanage that the guy that runs it also is passionate about um, filmmaking. And they're using our movie, A Father's Fight. Um, you can see the poster right behind me over here. Um, they're using our movie as essentially a um, center point for uh, gospel crusades. So think like Billy Graham crusade. Instead of somebody preaching, they're showing this movie to like thousands and thousands of Ugandans because what I found out is the average age of a person in Africa is 18, like period. So they're super interested in media. And right now, the most effective thing we've found is through filmmaking to reach Africa. So now we're making, not only making movies and translating them to their languages so that they can do these crusades, 
um, we've been instrumental in starting a film school there. And so every Monday, me and my team of film people here are teaching them alongside of a couple other people that we know. Um, and we're working on getting them accredited and we're actually teaching people how to make films and how to share the gospel through those films. And essentially, we're just like creating Uganda or um, yeah, Ugandan um, digital missionaries through filmmaking. You didn't know any of that part yet. I haven't got to talk to you since all that happened. That's when did that happen? Um, the last crusade that they had, they're actually having one this weekend, but the last crusade they had was in November. And I'm not kidding, like literally 1000 people made a decision to give their life to Christ after watching our movie. Oh my God. Um, they, they heard like they heard the gospel in a totally different way than they ever had. And then this film school had people there to like receive them and help get them connected to local churches. They like networked with the local pastors. It was super cool. So that's digital content digital, through filmmaking and then in-person revivals. Um, and then we turn it around and teach them how to do it. All right. So I want to ask this question as, as we're wrapping up, because you're, you're, a, you're a church of a thousand people in physical space. Um, I mean, I can't rattle off all the stuff we've talked about in, in the past 40 minutes. What do you have, like 75, 100 people on staff? Do you have like a benefactor that, that's writing giant checks? How are you uh, a thousand person church, which is a moderate sized church? This is not a bad thing. The average size church in America is 78 people. So you're you're borderline big. I don't know if I'd say that, but yeah, you're, you're big, but not this big. How are you pulling this off? Like just managing? Um, well, fortunately, most of our staff is pretty on mission. Um, so that's really good. Um, we have a staff, I think of eight, nine full-time pastors. And I think we have like eight or nine part-time people. So uh, relatively small, but we have some really, really sold out people um, on various teams. Like the digital missionaries team would be one. Yeah. The filmmaking team would be one. Because what's happened is um, with all this life change, it's like super contagious and it's not something that you can argue with. You, you can't argue with changed lives. And as soon as somebody starts changing someone's life with the gospel, um, they want more and more and more of that. So what we've seen is kind of organic. It hasn't been like fabricated or produced. It's just like people who have um, experienced God move in other people's lives through their efforts. And then now they just want more and more and more of that. So we can keep pushing them uh, to push the boundaries a little bit. Is, is, would you credit like the, the cause, like the emphasis on the cause and the discipleship is really developed a really rich team, uh, staff and, and, and volunteers and, and lay people that, that are able to keep up with you. Yeah. I think even just like before causes and outfitting and discipleship, uh, you've met Randy, my predecessor, um, just his willingness to innovate and his willingness to try things that were out of the, the box, um, that set us up to have a culture of innovators. Um, so like if the top from from the top down, if you are creating this culture of innovation, it seeps down even to like the newest of Christians because yeah. that's our culture. So fortunately for me, I like I stepped into that and could just run with it. Um, which I give all the credit there to uh, Randy and God working through Randy. And and for the record, Randy was seventy something when he retired, late sixties. How yeah, old was he's Randy? Still on staff. 
Oh, I'm sorry, he didn't retire. But (laughs) but when he let go of lead pastor, like in this innovation season, he was 70. Yeah, dude, dude was 70. And so you know, when you when you're working, you know, sometimes it's it's the you can't teach the old dog new tricks. Um, it's been a couple years since I've seen Randy, but dude was an old dog, and and he was very excited uh, about releasing people to experiment and try new things. And so even Mm -hmm. the old dogs can. Can, and can do a new thing or two uh, when, when they're motivated that way. Well, I tell you what, Tyler, this has been an incredible conversation. I, I know, uh, I, I mean, I know you well, and I, I learned two or three things on this. And so we, we do need to spend more time and, and looking forward to, uh, to more conversations uh, along the way. But we're going to wrap up here for Digital Church Next Leadership Network on their podcast. Uh, for Tyler, uh, my name is Jeff Reed, Director of Digital Church Next. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. We'll see you next time here on the show. Y'all have a good day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network Podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.